0: I'm back from my hiatus. I hope you guys didn't miss me too much during the week I took off. It was very nice. I actually got to get away. I'm Fred Katz, but I'm not on vacation. I'm the host of this podcast, and uh, I also cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I figured since we haven't had a podcast in about 12 or 13 days or whatever it is, the schedule release was a couple days ago. We're recording this thing on Wednesday morning. I had to get my most regular guest on the Skype line, and so on the phone with me is you all know him, Ben standing
1: Do um, I, I just I just punch my ticket on my regular guest card? I have one more visit, and I get a free sandwich. Apparently, this is pretty cool.
0: <laughs> you get a, you get a free subscription to the Athletic. Actually, is how we do it. So uh, wait, a,
1: what? Wait, hold on. I'd like to renegotiate. Then, hold on.
0: Yeah, you get the free you get the free subscription, and then you're good. And if you already have a free subscription because you're employed by there, then I guess you're just screwed out of luck. Screwed out of luck? Yeah. That's not the expression.
1: Probably not, but you've know, <laughs> been on vacation, it's alright. I
0: have, I have unbelievable, I have had unbelievable vacation brain. I'm not good at, uh, jumping in and out of working versus not working. Like I feel like part of the reason from a personality perspective why I do this job where like you don't get weekends and you don't get vacation is because I can't like take a day off or two days off or three days off and then go back to work and work at the same pace. I just kinda need to work then just work non stop for months straight. And then finally when I take a second off, I'm like, well, I guess my brain is turned off for a substantial period of time and it takes a long time to get back up running. Like I'm the kind of brain that would take a really, that would like really struggle to get on a, a crowded highway. It just wouldn't work very well. And so once <laughs> I took off last week, this whole week, I've just been like, like my entire mind has just been completely out of it.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Um, I'm, I'm with you on, uh, uh, on that, I, I uh, people have been always kind to me over the years because in doing a lot of my stuff, like I've covered the Wizards and the Redskins and Georgetown and the Mystics and I'm the Nationals, and people are like, you know, I just went on the radio the other day, and somebody, uh, one of the radio guys was saying I never sleep, and, and it's nice, and I appreciate people saying that and all that, but honestly, part of it is that once I once I started getting away, it's like being in a relationship, I guess. I like Once I start aw- being more away from the thing I'm doing, covering, I feel disconnected, and it feels weird, and I don't like it, and, I, and, it, and it's hard to, like you said, sort of ramp back up to, to, to get it going. It's like it's like my racquetball game. I used to play racquetball religiously. It was pretty decent for, for my level, and then once I stopped playing, it was like impossible. I couldn't get back to figuring out how to do it again because I stepped away for too long. Don't step away, kids.
0: <laughs> never, never step away. Keep doing it. Um, what do we got today? God, it is August 14th right now. Basketball stuff is not happening. Uh, Can I mention a pet peeve? Go for it. Can we stop, and we're going to talk about the schedule today, by the way. That is the thing that's happening because the NBA released its schedule on Monday to a slew of articles about here is when Trevor Ariza is returning to Washington. My pet peeve is we have to stop. Just because Ted Leonsis called the wizard structure radical, we all have to stop calling it radical. Like, I've done it. I think everyone's done it. We all have to stop. Because there are two options here. Either, now now they've done some cool moves, like hiring Dean Oliver. That's cool. But when we started calling this thing radical, that was before we knew about Dean Oliver and all that stuff. If Sashi Brown is not going to be involved in basketball decisions, which is what they say, if he is not going to be involved in basketball decisions, and he's basically just like a president of business operations type, and or almost present a president of business operations or a business uh like administration type, and if that's kind of what he's going to be. And Tommy Shepard is running basketball and Brett Greenberg is running basketball, and they just hired some pro scouts that's not radical. That's just, you just promoted an internal GM, which is fine, by the way. It's totally fine. This is not a criticism by any means, but we just got to stop saying that it's radical. The radical part was you had three guys at the top who are all equal decision makers, so they say, but if they say that, that Sashi Brown is not basketball and it's just a different sect of the company and that's why they're the same level and Dan Medina is just a doctor. Uh, I just, I am, and he's going to do doctor things, and Tommy Shepard has final basketball say, which is what they've said the whole time. Like, I don't, I don't really see the radicalness. That to me is a branding factor, which at some point or another, we all kind of fell for. Uh, but I don't really see how that is radical.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, go back to the to the to the press conference when they announced Tommy Shepard as the GM. Which typically, historically, that would be the press conference. Tommy Shepard sitting there next to the owner, maybe the head coach is there or something, and that's sort of the press conference, right? But that wasn't the press conference that the Wizards had on that day because on that day the story for, that they wanted to tell was not the promotion of Tommy Shepard, an internal hire that would while I think you and I are fans of and believe that he can you know, he can be effective at this job and, and it's, is, is a worthy hire based on his history and insight and things like that, that in and of itself doesn't move the needle at all. That doesn't lead to radical conversations about radical changes. That doesn't lead to hopefully getting fans excited. No, what they did was stagecraft. They, they brought out all these other people. To, to sit there and show the team of teams, as they kept saying over and over again, that this is the thing. It isn't just one guy, as was the case before with Ernie Grunfeld, even though I would argue it's two guys because he had a boss. But, yeah, it was the promotion of all these people who were being brought in to completely change the game. And maybe that is true. They, they are doing things differently. But it isn't to say that they've rewritten the world, that now the rest of the league is paying attention to what the Wizards are doing and say, oh, how come we didn't do that? So give them credit for doing some different things. That's totally reasonable. But, yes, it's not as if at the end result that they, you know, you know turned basketball upside down, that they went super outside the box. You know, I mean, the guy, Daniel Medina, they didn't have that before, but he had just been fired by the Sixers. So it's not. I mean, like uh, he himself was, was was doing was doing something with another team in a similar capacity. It's good they beefed up some of the some of the scouting staff and then the front office. You mentioned the Dean Oliver hire for the coaching staff is certainly interesting. Um, and, and maybe this all puts the Wizards back on par with other teams. And maybe you know, in some cases, if you want to show me a, a flow chart of how everything works, maybe there's a couple of places where they're a little ahead of the curve, and that's fine. But yeah, the, the idea of this all of a sudden being some radical shift, that this was a fantastic move, so on and so on. And, and also, I would just add to this, and this is something that I asked at the press conference, and I did so for a specific reason, he, was, I, I, this idea that this was like this major shift and all this radical stuff. And I asked, when did you, to, to Ted, when did you come to this conclusion? When did you decide that this was the format? And he said at that point about a month ago, which if you go back and look at this, the timing of it all, that's after Tim Connolly. That's after the pursuit of Tim Connolly. It's after the reporting that you had, I had, and others had, that they made a play for Masai Ujiri. So, in other words, you can, they, you know, they can stay now, That this was effectively the plan, and ultimately these were the people that, w- that we landed on that wasn't necessarily the plan. The plan was not, you know, maybe it's something more, ca- I mean, look, <laughs> let's not forget, I mean, you clearly didn't, eight seconds after we learned that Ernie Grunfeld was fired, you're reporting Tim Connolly. So like the idea that like all of a sudden within the eight seconds in between that they had come up with this radical idea doesn't make any sense. So kudos if they made changes, which they did. But yes, it's not like <laughs> it's not like that uh, they reinvented the wheel. They maybe reinvented the wizard, so they hope, and that's important. Not 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 knocking it, but yes, it, it is PR maybe it's a tad overblown at this point.
0: Yes. Yeah. Look, it's fine. Uh, um, one more point on this, and then I'll move on, because it, 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 it is a pet peeve. It's uh, It's fine not to be – like, you don't have to be radical. I just want to read this quote really quick. I did a story a few weeks ago where I got kind of reaction of their front office structuring from rival executives, and one rival executive said – I don't think you have to be radical just for the sake of being radical. I think you should do what makes sense. Well, they promoted Shepard, a guy who is universally respected and beloved as a human being, who has a long track record around the game and has a good reputation for talent evaluation. That sounds not radical, but it sounds pretty good to me. And then they brought in Brown. If the idea is we brought in somebody who has an understanding of the decision-making process, again, doesn't sound radical to me. It does sound like a pretty decent idea. I think that's the most well said. Um, it's – uh I just – I could see – now now Brown is kind of stepping in, if there's a shadow government situation, then yeah, you've got stuff, and that's that's a new sort of situation. Uh, but it's just – it it's radical for the Wizards. That doesn't necessarily mean it's radical for the league. Let's talk schedule. Um, let's talk schedule. Where are we starting with the schedule? What do you think? What's your first reaction when you see the schedule? Because I know mine
1: uh well, and look, I think we all understand where things stand with the wizards in general that they are not poised for a great win loss season. they may be poised for moving this franchise forward again in terms of you know structure and culture and things like that, but you know wins losses here not so much and so what stood out to me when I looked at the schedule is that in the past several years I was you know you look at it from the standpoint of ooh look at this uh you know, there's a stretch where they have, you know, six games in nine days, including a five-game road trip out west against Golden State and Houston. And, oh, boy, that's going to be trouble and, you know, things like that. Because you're viewing it as how is this team with John Wall, Bradley Beal, and so on going to, you know, get a winning record on that trip or, you know, whatever. When I looked at this schedule this year, my thoughts were more to, huh, which games do I think they could win? And you start looking at the list, and it's not a long list. Because right now, you know, if, if we had Vegas give odds or point spreads for every game, I don't know how many times the Wizards would be favorite. Home games against Cleveland and Charlotte, sure. But that won't be too many, and that's just sort of what's sad to me. Just in trying to look at the schedule, it's like, uh, boy, this is just another reminder that this is going to be a very interesting and curious season. And, you know, things could go a certain way if, if they don't turn into that plucky bunch that they're kind of hoping they are with, with, with the way they, you know, added young guys and players who are hungry, as Tommy Shepard, uh, indicated.
0: Can we talk about my obsession with the schedule? My, my, my one obsessed game? So, sure. oh, so, yes, uh, yes. so for the subscribers of The Athletic who listen to this podcast, um, Ben, Ben, why did I just call you Ben? Like I have a real thick southern accent. Ben, Michael Lee, and David Aldridge and I put together over on The Athletic a four-person story, conversation story about uh, kind of using the schedule as a jumping-off point to talk about the Wizards' upcoming season some Wizards' issues. And we did mention some schedule stuff, and this posted on, on Monday evening, the day the schedule came out. And I just love that the Wizards have... It makes sense. The Wizards have one nationally televised game. And I just love that the one nationally televised game is November 8th against Cleveland. When that, that is – what is that game going to be? That is the game. Well, that is I a nationally televised game on yeah, ESPN. Yeah.
1: So I, I, I mean, I, I mean, say you know you, you 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 get it. I think ultimately, I think we all kind of get it. But, but I guess you know the, the the league has to put on or these networks have to put all these teams on at some point. So by by putting the two, the two horrible teams together, you get the one you get them out of the way, so they're not ruining two games effectively. But the 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 one, the one good thing about it is that that, that I think that, that, that the uh, that the planners got right. If you play this game in in February, wow, it is awful. You know, two teams who could be way under five hundred, being you know sort of mocked all season, that could be a disaster. At least because it's in, it's fairly early in the season. Even if there's a potential train wreck, not saying it is people, but just you know potential. Even if there's a the potential for this train wreck, it isn't fully formed yet at that point, and people might be like, oh, okay. Well, at least let, let me see what this train wreck is potential is all about. Let me at least see Rui R- 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 Hachimura or oh, hey Bradley Beal, Kevin Love, whatever. Like at least then, there's st- like you know how it is. It's like we're, you still have sort of the new car smell that comes from like every start of the season where anything is possible, even if the reality is it's not the case. So at least at least the league put it up early enough that everybody around the country might be like, eh, okay, let let me see what's going on with uh, Colin Sexton or whatever. But yeah, it's. Uh Not not a great
0: one. There are going to be potentially so many points scored in that game. Cleveland and the Wizards could be the two worst defensive teams in the league this year. That's a real possibility. That's the the Mike Longobardi revenge game. You mentioned the Jordan McRae revenge game. It's the Mike Longobardi revenge game. How about that? How about that? That's going to be all over ESPN leading up to that game. The whole week on SportsCenter. Mike Longobardi returns to Cleveland. Even though Cleveland is coming to DC for that game, I guess.
1: I, I, I think somebody in our group—I can't remember if it was in the in the thread or outside on, on the side—but made the point. Like basically, what it really will be is ESPN discussing who gets traded first: Bradley Beal or Kevin Love. Like that will be the that will be the angle.
0: Yes, that will totally be the angle. You know, it's going to be a fun game. The literal next one after that, uh, when Isaiah Thomas goes to Boston. Sure,
1: love sure. I mean, him there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and look, and look, I mean, you know, the a lot of the things we can kind of assume about the Wizards this year, you know, we probably have a reasonable thought on. You know, some of the younger guys, you know, maybe they have some big, some big shifts in their play as they improve because the young guys can do that. But the Isaiah Thomas thing is like the biggest. Unknown variable of, of on the Wizards roster. I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to get sniffed MVP level Isaiah Thomas. I would guess not. But can he be good Isaiah Thomas? Can he be 15 points, seven assists, be a pest, hit a last second shot Isaiah Thomas? Maybe if he's healthy. I don't know if he is. But by that point in the season, we'll start to get a sense of like what he can or can't do, and so there could be some legitimate hype going to that Boston team. If a big if. He, he starts, he, he looks something, at least ballpark closer to what he did a couple years ago.
0: Do, uh, what what do you think they'll get from him this year?
1: Oh, man, I, you know, I really don't know. I, I, you know, I follow him now on Twitter, like I presume everybody else on, on in town, you know, who's interested in the Wizards does, and, you know, he's like, he's playing a lot of pick-up ball, and he's out there with... Kelly Oubre and Thomas Bryant, and you know, obviously everybody's uh, offseason looks like they're they're becoming the greatest player of all time. And but you know, in his case, just the fact that he's out there, that he's playing, even if it is pickup games, you know, I'm not expecting him to play great defense even in a real game. But just the fact that he's out there doing some stuff seems like a good sign, right? I mean, he's, I mean, again, based on the limited, limited and clearly biased information that we're getting, but this seems like a good thing. That said, like I've talked, I talked to somebody who's. You know, so close to his situation, who really was like, I don't have no idea what he, what he's going to bring to Wizards. Um, the you know weren't even that confident that it would be a big impact at all. So, um, I you know he, he, I hate to be the you know go with a push, but at the same, it's, it's basically like I need to see what he can do physically. I mean, look, I mean, we just went, and maybe this is also he we just went through this with Dwight Howard, where it wasn't the exact same thing, but like you know Dwight Howard. One of the questions was, you know, it maybe wasn't the biggest question, but one question was his physical health, getting older, you know, he's had some back surgery before all that. You know, what's he going to be like? And then obviously he saw what happened. So I need to see IT before with my own eyes before I can judge anything, but there's at least some promising signs I, I'd say. What, what about you?
0: You see his tweet from the other day?
1: I've seen most of them, but you have to be more specific.
0: <laughs> um,. That he's 168 pounds.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I did see
0: that. Uh, he said he was his lightest since prep school. Uh, that's small. 168 Wait, I, pounds. I was trying
1: to think what he was before.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's not exactly uh, known for his height. Uh, that's that's small. I I don't even know. I don't know if that'll be good for him because of his health. I mean, he phrased it like it was a good thing. But 100. Just hearing an NBA player be 168 pounds is just baffling.
1: Yeah, it's it is insane
0: that he could be as great of a scorer as he was through his prime, and be the size that he is. Like that, that's amazing. It's really amazing that someone that size could be that prolific a scorer for that long in the NBA.
1: For, for, for sure. One thing I think is interesting, I mean, not to, I'm sure you, you weren't planning on the whole Isaiah Thomas thing, but the, the one thing I think is interesting is let's just say he is a reasonable player. You know, again, we're not saying he needs to be an MVP player, but he, you know, he, he's, he's a score, he shows he can score, he can be a playmaker, all this stuff, all, all that stuff. He's effective, right? But part of the, what made him so successful in Boston was similar to what made Iverson successful in Philadelphia, and that is they built the system around his unique talents. They had a bunch of Boston had guys like Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder around him, Marcus Smart, guys who didn't necessarily demand the ball, guys who would play defense, guys who could be the, the, the enforcers, could help set the tone and, and, and sort of keep a clean, clean uh, lane for Isaiah, things like that. Well what 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 are the Wizards doing? Forget the Bradley Beal aspect of it. I mean are the Wizards prepared to sort of build an offense, even if it's for moments of time? Around this guy, because if they're not, now we're talking about a five foot nine guy, 168 pounds, having to sort of get his, and I think that becomes a different story. So it it isn't just enough to say Isaiah. I mean, look, Isaiah Thomas was really good before he got to Boston, uh, for sure. But I mean, in terms of like getting to those you know know, real big levels, it becomes a challenge. And and, you know, conceivably, he did wear out his welcome at times because of sort of his uh, style and so on. So, um, just because he's healthy and can and can score. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a great fit, but again, that's so far off. I'll give the Wizards and all their uh, radical changes time to figure it out. Sorry, I just did that to bother you.
0: <laughs> I mean, if if he is good, and I don't know if he's going to be good. He hasn't been good in two years. I mean, people talk about how like, well, he hasn't been healthy in two years, and obviously he hasn't. But he also hasn't been good. Like he, people around the league think he's think he's just not good anymore. I mean, it's not like a situation where, oh, he's been banged up and, you know, Blake Griffin was banged up and then he came back. It's like, nah, he got benched. Like, the reason that he played 12 games in Denver last year is not because he was hurt. The reason he didn't play 82 is because he was hurt. But then he came back and, you know, Monte Morris was better than him. And so he got benched. He didn't play because when he played, the Nuggets weren't as good. Uh that was why he didn't play and didn't play in the postseason and and didn't didn't play after a very short stint of actually getting some time. He just wasn't good when he was on the floor with the nuggets and Uh, that is concerning, but it also could be that he wasn't good because he was still recovering from the injuries. So let's say that he comes back and he's just like effective. He does, you know, the Derrick Rose thing in Minnesota this year, right? Which is always possible. He's got a knack for scoring. He's a good enough shooter to where he might be able to recover that. It's not like he was one of those guys where he could only score around the rim, even though given his size, it's like amazing how often during those peak Boston seasons, how often he got to the line and all that stuff. Really unbelievable. Uh, but let's say that he, you know, does a Derek Rose thing. Like, you can build your bench around him. It's, there are a lot of teams whose bench units for 14, 16 minutes a night are built around instant offense scorers. Like, you can, you can do that, and that's fine, because no bench player is going to be like, give me the ball. I'm taking it away from Isaiah Thomas. Like, they just don't have a guy who's going to have that mentality. Or who's old enough to take that mentality? So you could plausibly do that, and then you could just play him, you know, the same way the Clippers play Lou Williams or how other instant offense guys play. But obviously, he would have to play significantly better than he did in Denver, and then he did in L.A., and then he did in Cleveland over the last two years. We'll see if that happens. Any any other games? Um, any other games or things you want to discuss schedule wise? Anything else stand out?
1: Um, what well, about that look, road
0: trip that you mentioned?
1: Uh, well, sure. Well, I was just gonna say, I mean, just like right off the bat, even if we were talking about the good, you know, the John Wall healthy, Otto Porter still lives here, Wizards that type of thing to start the season at Dallas, at Oklahoma City, at San Antonio. I get it that like you know Oklahoma City is not um, what it was, and we're not even sure what they will be. Um, and Dallas is the team that didn't make the playoffs last year, and the Spurs are not Tim Duncan. But like that, but you know, that's a pretty tough start. Just three games in the road, in general. Like eight, early in the season, you know, even even some of the tough teams, uh, the, or the, the you know the the, the lesser teams, you know, tend to I would think rise up. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but just in my head at least thing, they tend to rise up and get that early ho- you know, early home games crowd momentum. I think I saw that the first three games. Are the home opener for each of those teams? I think something like that. So, um, the, yeah. So, uh, I think just that, just right off the bat, even under normal circumstances, to start to start the season with a three-game Western Conference road trip is is a uh, is a big challenge right right off the bat. And then game four, Houston at home. You know, I mean, look, it, it's definitely conceivable the Wizards are starting the year. with Minnesota coming in November November 2nd and and, and hoping to, uh, you know, not have Carl Anthony Towns score 50 on them.
0: The thing is that you're going to be able to look at the opposing star player on most occasions this year and think, all right, that guy could go for 30 tonight. Right? Like, that's just, that's going to be the theme of this year. And the guys who could go for 30 to start this are... uh, are abundant, even like when you get back home. You got Towns, uh, then you got to deal with uh, with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, uh, with Detroit coming in after that. Indiana's very good. And then you have that game against Cleveland, that nationally televised, highly anticipated ESPN game against Cleveland on November 8th. And, like, it's conceivable that both of those teams are, uh, you know, winless going into that game. Which would be something. But also just like, who cares? Like it's it's a lot more fun to break down the schedule of a team when you're anticipating them being good. You could look at the end of season games, be like, all right, who are they going when they're trying to make their playoff run or their seating run or or whatever it might be, uh, you know, who wh- who you know, where are their opportunities to sit guys late in the season, uh when are when are the big rivalry games, whatever it is. This year, it's like what's what's the from a narrative perspective. What's the big game? Like Chicago, because Otto Porter and Thomas Haderanski come back to D.C. It's kind of it. Like there aren't any big narrative games this year other than that, right?
1: Um, probably not. You know, I, I still we're, we're a few years away from this now, and and you know it it says something about the Wizards' history uh, uh, that, that we keep bringing up that Boston series from a couple of years ago, but, like, when they do play the Celtics November 13th, you mentioned the Isaiah Thomas part of it. You know, there's also Bradley Beal against Kemba Walker, you know, the two guys who were effectively going head-to-head for the last spot on the All-NBA team this past year. Um, And and I guess Boston is not the same Boston team that it was, but, like, regardless of, you know, they, they, they took a step back, under Kyrie, but the Celtics are still a formidable team with a promising future and have interesting pieces and so on. And the Wizards, as we're discussing, are completely somewhere else and just have so much changed from the moment that that series ended. It's basically been a straight dive down for the Wizards. Um, and and that, 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 So every time they play Boston, it just always kind of reminds me of, of where things were, the promise that was there, and just how things have, you know, some of it their own causes, some of it, you know. Bad luck, like John Wall's injuries, to some degree, but just how things have have shifted significantly.
0: Yeah. Anything else we
1: got? I mean, one thing, like as from like a fan perspective, again, I would imagine that any interest in the Wizards is going to come most mostly early in the season. And look, you know, there are some things that you can watch throughout the year, namely Rui Hachimura and I guess Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant. How do these young guys? Developed because it's obviously a huge part of this season. But in terms of the other aspect of going to games, the star power. So there's this is like a back weighted schedule. Steph Curry, LeBron, Zion. None of them are coming until like March. Uh, Zion, I don't think is getting here until April. So I really wonder what the crowds are going to be like at that point. If the Wizards have not, um, you know, at least become that scrappy group that people are interested to see. Those crabs could be really one sided because, because those big opponents are so late in the season.
0: Yeah. You think, yeah something I'm going to get into because we discussed it in that schedule piece, which you can check out on the Athletic. Think. Michael Lee brought this up. I don't think they should. Where do you stand on the Wizards and Mellow?
1: Uh, you know, without even getting into the whole Melo history and whether he can play, and like I sort of get the box office appeal, they signed Isaiah Thomas. I think that was their their Carmelo signing. I, I don't think you can have. I mean, for what the Wizards are trying to do, actually try to reshape the you know the image of this team, the culture of this team, what it means to be a wizard. Let these young guys play, build around Bradley Beal, so on. I, I just don't think having Isaiah Thomas and Carmelo Anthony works then. Because even if you think those guys are going to be on their quote-unquote best behavior, they clearly are not going to think, oh, well, I need to defer to Mo Wagner and uh, Justin Robinson or anybody because like, because the Wizards are trying to do something. No, they have their own uh, uh, personal agendas. Presumably, Melo will be here on a one-year deal like IT. So I, I think they made their move with IT. That one itself is you know a high risk, some kind of reward perhaps. But, uh, but, but it's also a no risk because they didn't give him any money. I just mean high risk from a um, – from, like, is he going to be sort of an impediment to what they're trying to, to reestablish. Having two guys like that, I think that just gets way over the top. So if they hadn't signed IT, I still wouldn't be pro signing Melo, But, okay, maybe I could buy it as sort of that one-off thing, but not two of them.
0: You know what I don't understand? Why people talk about Melo like he just became a free agent and it's July 3rd. Like, The Rocket, Mellow got released in February, but The Rockets said that, basically said we will give him away for nothing, starting in the middle of November. You could have Mellow for nothing more than the price of a minimum contract, the cheapest possible amount of money that you can have a player. You could have Mellow for that starting in November. It has been, then what? Nine months now, since you could have Mellow. There were babies conceived during the time the Rockets expelled mellow who are now on this earth and healthy and living and breathing and eating whatever their parents are feeding them. The, that's a real thing. And Mellow's. You know, Do not know what parents feed babies? Well I don't know. Some people go formula, some people go breast milk. I don't know. I I, I, didn't, want to, uh, I didn't want to I didn't wanna I some of those babies are getting formula, some are getting breast milk. Some of them are getting smashed bananas, some of them are getting the the more the more processed mushed up stuff that you have to buy. So, you know, I there there are that many babies that we have that that many diversities of palate on this earth who were conceived when Carmelo was expelled by the Nuggets. That's how long it's been, and I don't understand why we don't talk about it in the in through the lens of. Carmelo has been available essentially for free for nine months and still nobody has signed him. Why would someone all of a sudden sign him now? The league has made its, its uh, you know, statement through actions that the 30 teams in the NBA don't want him. He's not, he's not waiting. He's, Carmelo's not going to take a training camp deal. That's not happening. Like There is no way that's happening. So what are we waiting for? If someone were going to sign Carmelo, NBA free agency started a month and a half ago. But again, that's an irrelevant start point. We're talking about this like it started July 1st. It started November 10th when he played his last game with the the Rockets. That's when this started. So we've been waiting for nine months now. I, I don't understand why we phrase it as if it started July 1st.
1: Right, absolutely. And, like, just the other day, I guess Vince Carter officially re-upped to go to Atlanta. And I, I thought Vince Carter, I don't know if it's the last 10 years or whatever the, whatever it is at this point, has just been, or maybe it's even more than that, just been such a fascinating turn because at one point you know, he never reached the level that Carmelo Anthony reached as sort of a MVP candidate in the league. But, obviously, we're talking about a guy who's, like, you know, highly respected, all-star, things like that, well, you know, the, the, the maybe the best dunker, you know, this side of Michael Jordan, whatever. But he, at some point in his career, sort of – Figured out that he was, you know, needed to blend in more. That he needed to be a guy who could be counted on to do certain things, be it, and be, a, you know, a viable locker room presence. That you know, as he got older, that teams would want. And the fact that, like, like there's no logical reason for Atlanta Hawks to use him from like a, you know, like you know, he arguably is in the way of some of these younger guys or things like that. But they do see a value in him as a mentor, as a guy who can show these players how to get things done. Uh, the, Carmelo Anthony could easily be that guy if people thought that that was an option, but that's been the, that's, that, that's part of the rub beyond what you're saying about that. He's not even that good anymore. Well, at least certainly not relative to his, his previous heights. Uh, what, what is the presence? And I know that you know, he, he was on TV recently and there's a lot of people that like him and I'm not, you know, he seems like a good guy and all that, but if, if, if somebody thought that there was a, a, a viable reason to have him around as a as a presence and simultaneously as a as a box office uh, help, I would presume somebody would would bring him on board ju- just you know just because of that. But it doesn't seem like that's the case, and that's that that's part of the uh, that's part of the rub.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I've I have a lot of problems in how the mellow the mellow narrative is is framed by a lot of people. One of my other ones is. And Ben, I'm telling you, this is my problem with you. My personal problem with you. Awesome. Uh <laughs> You just did what everybody else does when they compare him to Vince Carter. Well, you know, Vince Carter, you have mentoring your guys. It's like everything you said is true. That is true. But you know the main reason why Vince Carter is there? Because Vince Carter is still good enough to play in the NBA. Like that. that's it. Carmelo was – look, I covered him his last full season he played in Oklahoma City. We had a running joke that uh, when every time Carmelo would go after a loose ball, and he only really went after loose balls that were rolled right by his feet. But if he had to pick up a loose ball, you know, you look at NBA players, and NBA players bend at the knees, right? You're picking up a loose ball. You're going to bend your knees. You're going to go down. You're going to maintain an athletic position because these are the best athletes in the world. And Carmelo bends at his hips, like 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 you know, an an elderly man trying to tie his shoes. And like that, that is where a lot of the problems start. Not specifically that they're not going to sign him because he's not good at loose balls, but because his body is not what it was. People forget how great of an athlete Mello was and how explosive he was off the dribble and as a scorer, getting to the rim, overpowering guys, and he doesn't have that. He he never gets to the line anymore. He's not a good enough catch-and-shoot guy to get by with the other stuff. He is one of the worst defenders in the league, in part, and he was never a good defender, but... He's now a guy whose athleticism has deteriorated, and I think part of it is that he, uh, he hasn't stayed in as good shape as he could. Vince Carter is in unbelievable shape and takes amazing care of his body, and that has not happened with Melo. And you know what? Like all of this is fine. We, and Stephen A. Smith on that interview with ESPN a couple of weeks ago, I actually thought Stephen A. Smith did a, did a fantastic job with that interview. He did not hold back. Every question that you would want Mellow to be asked, every hardball question you would want Mellow to be asked, was asked in that interview. I thought Stephen A would do a great job. And, and uh, you know, people, I think a lot of people talk about like a hard interview being an interview where you ask the hard questions and you do it in a confrontational way so you show that you're strong and you stand up to the authority or whatever it is. I don't believe that. I believe the best hard questions are asked in easy ways, not hard ways, because the object of our jobs is not to ask the question, it's to get the answer. And Stephen A. got tons of answers. And credit to Carmelo, by the way, who is a wonderful guy to cover, who doesn't dodge questions and didn't in that interview. Um, and, and, and seemed to be, you know, his, he told his truth, I'll say Uh, because there were some things in that interview that he said where I was like, ah, I think he genuinely believes that. I don't think he's lying. But, like, Carmelo said he totally would have come off the bench if the Thunder asked him to come off the bench. "Ah." You literally, in your opening press conference, laughed at the prospect of coming off the bench, and then in your exit interview you stood up and said coming off the bench was out of the question. So I I, I don't believe that. Uh, But it kind of all contributes, and I think what it starts with is that if he could – still score efficiently off the dribble if he were a – it's not that he's a bad catch-and-shoot guy. He's just not a good enough catch-and-shoot guy to justify all the other the other problems on the court, the defense that you're going to have, that he doesn't play make that he doesn't do the little things that you want a role guy to do. Vince Carter does the little things you want a role guy to do, you know? like
1: Well, I, th- I think that's the part – Like to me, that that's the part. Like the, the reason why Allen Iverson's career went went shorter than probably should is because he didn't evolve – from star to role player, he didn't like the thing about like I know like people always want like when they make a roster like, or you know conceptually they want to have like fourteen all stars on it or whatever. But the reality is you you basically have seven to eight front line players. The obviously the, your, your your top all stars, your, your 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 interior center, your, your point guard, whatever. You have seven or eight guys who are the core, and then everybody else effectively has to have a specific role the big man who protects the rim, the point guard who can run the offense, the three-point shooter who can, you know, make the open shot when open, the guy who's the wing defender. You have to do one thing particularly well. Obviously, ideally you do more, but you do that one particular thing well so the coach can go to you in that spot. And then the question becomes, well, what's Carmelo Anthony's thing? It was scoring, but obviously, like you're pointing out, he's not at that level anymore, and plus, you know, the ball dominance if that's you know, how his how he goes that's not going to work in that capacity. And then what else is there? At least with uh, Vince Carter, whether it's a specific thing or even just his mentality, he was able to sort of spin himself off into doing these other things. I mean, right now it's a completely different deal with Atlanta, but just in general, that's how he was able to sort of sustain himself. Uh, yeah, he's a great athlete, but you know, skill set skills eroded to some degree. But he was able to contribute in certain specific ways. Carmelo Anthony. What is he? And that's what happened to Iverson. It just became he went from being a guy who could get 25 a game to, well, if you're not going to give us the points, what else are you doing? Are you going to mentally accept the fact that you're not that guy and you can take playing this specific role, we need this specific thing, and that's not something he could do?
0: Yep. All right, let's wrap this thing up. What, What do you got coming out that the Wizards fans need to know?
1: Uh, I don't think I have anything right now on the Wizards front. It's a lot of Redskins these days. I don't know if you heard, uh, but uh, I did just put up a, a, a interview I had with Roy Hibbert from back in the, from uh, from the combine. I had this intention of writing a bigger story about what you know what happened to Roy Hibbert and the and sort of the disappearing center uh, and using him as sort of the the, the face of that thing. But then the news came out from uh, from our guy Shams about him signing a contract with the Sixers as a coach player developmental coach and I decided, uh, rather than, uh, hold the thing much longer, let me put up the interview as it is. So, so that's up on the side. I think it's interesting just from the standpoint of how the league is evolving away and whether Roy Hibbert feels he, um, kind of the game kind of went away from him or not. And beyond that, you know, I am uh, from a wizard's perspective. I am just here to, you know, take the back signal when, uh, Fred says we want to do a podcast and, uh, you know, got, got, got a few more weeks to, uh, To think about some wizardy things before we get to the season.
0: Yes, we do. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Check out stuff on The Athletic. I'm doing a, uh, if you're an Athletic subscriber, it's uh, Wednesday the 14th right now. Tomorrow at 12.30 Eastern Time. On Thursday the 15th, 12.30 Eastern Time. So during, right around people's lunch breaks, I'm going to be doing a live Q&A chat over on The Athletic, so head over to The Athletic DC if you have questions for me. I will be answering as many of them as I can during that hour or so. Uh, Make sure to join for that.
1: Somebody asked Fred when he thinks Rui Hachimura starts, since we didn't get into that here, and I don't even know if we got into that on our our thread, but that's an interesting, uh, you know, it doesn't really mean anything per se, but interesting parlor game to figure out what Fred thinks about that.
0: Yeah, we got time. We got time to discuss that in the pod. We still have a month and a half to fill stuff up before uh, before the season starts. So we got some time. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars on iTunes. Leave a nice review. As I always say, if you enjoy the podcast and, and uh, you want to make a little bit of an imprint, it always actually helps a lot to, to leave those nice reviews. It helps with the iTunes stuff. Uh, I will be back with a new episode next week with a new guest. We'll spare Ben this time. Uh, I will talk to you guys then.